Welcome back, friends, to the Poe Appreciation Project. Today, we're talking to a friend of mine, Kedrick Salisbury. And would you like to explain why we're doing this through Zoom? Uh, well, I am on a mission in Denmark, uh, in the Denmark-Copenhagen mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How's it been over there so far? Dude, it's been, it's been weird. It's been a good time. But it's been a little weird with all this COVID 19 coronavirus stuff just it's kind of weird <laughs> yeah well i guess the one nice part of it though is that now that you're doing most of your uh most of your work through like facebook and all that um you know the risk of getting hit or uh dragged into a basement by anyone when you go up to their door is like severely reduced so that's that's very true <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's been something that i've definitely had to like change my perspective of what a mission is and what it like really means to be a missionary because you know we've we've had to do a lot of things that we weren't expecting to do um out here with you know facebook and all that kind of stuff just very different than what i, <laughs> I had in mind absolutely um and i'd love to dig much more into uh what you're doing over there but i was just curious how is the mask mandate over there is there one how's the whole situation in denmark so up until like about three weeks ago, you really didn't have to have masks. They started to say like, okay, like maybe we should start following a little bit suit um, because like they, they were starting to, it was starting to rise again. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it was just kind of like, I don't know, just they started having them on buses and trains and all that kind of stuff. Um, but other than that, like we can walk outside. We can. There's some people that choose to wear masks, and that's totally you know, up to them. But for the most part, Denmark has handled it really, really well. Good, good. So um, at the moment, uh, the United States is burning to the ground. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in every sense of the word, and I would like to get your perspective on what people are like over there. Yeah, like. It's kind of crazy what's going on in the U.S. right now. Like, and you get you know, to be away I'm, from all of it. I'm I'm glad to be away from it. Um, a little bit. Like, it's it's a little weird to be away from it and you know have all friends and family back home that are going in it and you know all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. um, you know it's it's a little weird here because I feel like politics kind of revolve around the U.S. in some kind of way. You know, mm -hmm. like. A lot of the politics that happen in the U.S. happen here, um, in a much smaller and more, you know, I don't know, domestic. I don't, like, I don't know what the right <laughs> word is. Less like, absolute insane way. Yeah, like just more friendly in general. Um, they still have the issues like Black Lives Matter. They, that was kind of a hype up here. Um, there's yeah, a lot my of understanding that is are, that the resurgence of uh, BLM here in America was causing. Uh, mass protests in France and Britain and other places in Europe. Yeah, so they've had a few protests actually, um, but nothing that's like nothing that's compared to the U.S. or any fear of burnings and all that kind of stuff. So it's been it's been pretty on the down low, um, but people feel passionate about it, so they they go and you know protest about it. Yeah, and I think that's an important part of any society is to be able to express how you're feeling in the sure. form of protests and i think it's very interesting that uh the u.s has such an effect on the rest of the world because the way i've always seen this country 
is uh, we're all first graders sitting in a classroom and uh, we're, we're like the Eric Cartman in kind of a way. We make a lot of noise, we're very self-interested and our absolute narcissism draws the attention of everyone else. And <laughs> it, it reaffirms that we are the center of world discussion. And it, it's yeah. this, this egocentrism that this country has that uh, I really don't know if it's what's best for the world, but it's just kind of how it is. Yeah, and I, I don't even know if it's like egotistical in, in a way. Like I might defend that like it's just, it's big and it's a yeah. big thing, right? And the EU kind of tried to, to copy it in a way. Um, <clears throat> Brexit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but like, you know, it's just the US is big and it works well together and um, it, it is the economy. And I think a lot of it, because it is the economy, it is also the world's political terms, right? Like, mm -hmm. there, it, it, I, I don't want to say like the whole the earth or the sun revolves around the earth or whatever um, kind of thing, but that's kind of how it is in the, in the US is it's just kind of like that big idea where everything revolves around it. And just, you can see that with the people is that, you know, as a missionary, because I come from America, right? Everyone yeah. has to bring up about Trump. Uh. It's always like, <laughs> like, what do you think about Trump? And it's like, you know, like, is that really don't... what we could be spending our time talking about? There's nothing more productive <laughs> than that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, let's talk about, well, and I'm like, I don't know anything about Danish politics, you know, and I, I kind of want to get into that and learn a little bit about what theirs is, but I really look at it and yes, there's differences and yes, there's things that are you know, much different than what it is in the US, but when it really comes down to it, their politics mirror our politics a lot. Are you allowed to vote over there? Um, Like in Denmark or like? At, at, um, I know that you can still mail in vote for the U.S., but are you allowed to partake in any of Denmark's stuff? Not, not that I know of, at least. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Mail in ballots, haha! <laughs> That's a can of worms we're not going to open. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I haven't, I haven't really had any news for the past, you know, year and a half. Like I know a little bit about details that my parents tell me, but and like I see occasionally on Facebook, but. For the most part, I'm kind of in the in the dark when it comes to politics. <laughs> yeah, you you are going to be submitting a vote though this November, right? Of course, yeah. Good, I'm glad. Even yes. though you and I personally differ on who we're going to be voting for, I'm still happy that you're taking that opportunity to put in your say. I think yeah. it's an opportunity, and for sure. that's what we're guaranteed by the Constitution. So, I mean, hopefully exactly that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so. Being a missionary is, I, I've never considered the prospect of being a religious missionary, but I've always liked the idea of possibly going with a group uh, and just helping people in third world countries, or, you know, if it doesn't even have to be that, um, I floated the idea of maybe mastering in chemistry and, okay. you know, maybe teaching that as a professor, but, you know, get an opportunity to travel the world while teaching it. Uh, what is it that has brought you to where you are today as a missionary? Why is this so important for you? Ooh, that's a big, big can of worms. Uh, <laughs> <Biggie>. <laughs> let's see. 
that's a that's a big question so where like what brought me here to where i am today i guess um like i've always known i was going to go on a mission um i've always wanted to do that i always thought it was cool to um to serve you know two years in a place where you don't know the language and you you kind of just get thrown in um and when I was younger, I didn't really know the religious side of it. I just wanted to go on a mission because it sounded cool. Um, but as it started getting closer um, into my life, it, you know, I started to have to really make the decision. Do I want to do this? Do I really believe in what I'm going to be preaching two years? You know, I'm, it's, it's not a free thing to be out here. You know, like the church doesn't pay for it. I, I, I'm paying for the mission while well, my parents are paying for the mission. But, right, you're making um, sacrifice in many ways to even be there yeah i mean two years that i could be in college you know studying computer science or whatever um you know two years that i could be back home with friends um you know there's a lot that that went into the decision um a lot of opportunity costs and all that kind of stuff and i mean not to mention the the money aspect of it too is not cheap right absolutely um but you know i I started to really get down to it. What do I believe? What is this? What do I want to do with my life? You know, do I want to help people? Do I want to, do I believe in the religion that I'm, I'm preaching? Um, and so it, it came down to a few events in my life, I'd say, but one of them when I was 14, um, or around that age, I can't really remember exactly when, but, uh, I had a really awesome experience. Uh, I was, I was at this place called BYS. It's Boise Youth Spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically like a, a church religious camp kind of thing where you go for a week and you just hang out with other people that are in the same religion and uh, you kind of learn from each other. And you have counselors and the counselors I had that year were amazing. Um, they, they were just really big examples and they, they challenged us to go out and pray. Um, and to kind of just see if God was there and to not come back until we had an answer. Oh. Um, and so I went out and we kind of found our own little personal place. Um, and it was actually on BSU's campus. Um, and we went out, we found a little, a little place. Um, I found a little place for myself under a tree and I just started praying. And at that point I felt and it's it's hard to explain personal experiences like this, but I felt this warm kind of like almost like a hug kind of thing. Um, and I knew at that point that, that God was real. Um, and, you know, we all came back in tears because it was just such a very joyous experience. Uh, it really was. That's awesome. Uh, and, it, and it obviously had a pretty big impact on me because, you know, I still remember the, the feelings and the joy that comes from it. Um, but, you know, further from that, I, you know, I was in, in high school, I had a really good friend, um, and he, I went to a, a, a little, like, Sunday school kind of party, and I realized that I really didn't know anything about the Book of Mormon, um, like, no clue, and I've been a member my whole life, um, but I, I didn't really know it, and so yeah, they were doing all these syndrome. kind of, <laughs> exactly, um, and, you know, you, that that's kind of a thing that happens in, in religion is you know there's there's a time and a place where it all comes down to do you really believe in this 
Do you really, you know, are you just going through the motions or do you actually want to work on the things that this, this thing is promising, right? Um, and so it came down to that for me. It was, well, I can either, you know, leave the church, which, you know, I wasn't thinking about really doing. Um, I could read the Book of Mormon and, you know, figure out if it's true, or I could just, you know, kind of just in, play imposter, just kind of continue on as I'm, I was doing. And I decided that, you know what, I want to figure out what this thing is, uh, this whole Book of Mormon thing. Uh, and so I read it. I read it in a month. Um, I couldn't put the book down. I can't I even it. finish a children's <laughs> book in within a month. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was like, I just couldn't put it down. It was just, it was, it was amazing. Um, and I just loved reading the stories. And I've heard about these stories, of course. I've heard about them. I knew about the characters. I just didn't know the names or the significance of it all. Um, mm -hmm. But I really got down to it and you know, figured out that it really is just another testament of Jesus Christ. Just like the New Testament and the, the Bible just in general is, it's a, a testament of, of Christ and that he lived on the recording. Um, and, and so the Book of Mormon is all about you know, that, that Christ lived and he actually visited the people on the American continents. Yeah, and my, my understanding is that, so the First Testament, and then you had the New Testament, and then the Book of Mormon in your faith is the third to those. It's the, the third of the trilogy. Like, I, I wouldn't say the third to the trilogy because it's kind of in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm. Um, and that's not completely true because the Book of Mormon actually goes longer than the New Testament does um, until the pretty much annihilation of the, the people that were living um, mm. there. Um, it, yeah, it's it's kind of like a in-between kind of thing like there's no real I, I just can't put it into like a trilogy or a second third because it's you know it starts in the old testament it continues on past christ's birth so it's kind of just a a big chunk of things and it's actually like not before the old testament because nothing's really before the old testament but um in the tower of babel there's a part of it that also talks about that so mm -hmm. kind of just a spread of a long history um that was recorded I think the coolest part about what you're doing over there right now is that you are internalizing this faith as part of your identity. Is that yeah. fair to say? For sure. Like, I mean, <laughs> we go out there and pretty much, like, the, the Danish people are really nice people, but they, they don't really care about religion. Um, and they definitely don't care about ours. Yeah. So it's tough competition. It, yeah. Like it's it's very I don't know, it's very intense sometimes. Um people get pretty pretty like, you know, mock mocking and um what's what's the worst thing anyone said to you? Oh gosh. You know, I just rub them off. Like I just like, you know, whatever. But um, I, I can't really think of a specific example of what, like, people have told me to shoot myself and to you know, do all these stupid things and just, like, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's a hard sell to make in the first place, and, you know, some people are going to be more resilient to accepting uh, or even hearing new ideas. 
So sure. certainly you're going to run into people like that, no matter how nice of a country you're in. <laughs> but, um, you know, what is it like when you do feel like that you've, you know, even if maybe you haven't gotten them interested in the religion, what does it feel like when you talk to someone and you really feel like you've connected with them? Like, it just feels great. It really does. It feels like I, despite me not making a, a big difference in their life and, you know, it might not lead to anywhere, right? Um, but at least I can talk to someone and maybe help brighten their day. And that's kind of how I changed my attitude throughout the mission. At, at first, someone saying, like, no thanks to me was kind of like a, oh, like, frick, like, dang. <laughs> like, oh, I got rejected uh, again. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now I look forward to the ability to say, have a good day. Because there's nothing, there's nothing worse than denying someone. I think, um, you know, we, we do it all the time on, you know, when we're in the mall and people are like, Hey, do you want to buy this thing? Like, um, and then we're like, Oh, no, thanks. Like I, I really don't. Need yeah, that it, right it's now. a painful feeling to be on the receiving side of that rejection. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, on the giving side, I'd say too, um, you know, not always, but to an extent, I think it is a, a harder thing to do. Um, and so, because you know they have your best interests in mind, they're not trying to swindle you. Like you're not over there trying to swindle people into buying Cutco knives. Like <laughs> you're nah. you're you're trying to show them something that has made a large impact on your life that you feel could genuinely benefit people. And exactly, um, you know, when someone tells you that they're just not interested in something like that, I'm sure that it has a larger emotional toll on you guys than would be expected. Yeah. It yeah it does, um, but I think, you know, I've gotten past that, and and now I understand that you know they're not saying no to to everything I stand for. They just don't understand exactly what I'm, they're saying no to, um, for the most part. Most because you can only convey so much within a single conversation. Exactly. So, it, you know, it really comes down to, you know, what are we asking them to do, right? What is what is the thing that we want them to do, and really when it comes down to it is it's not listen to us or you know um converse or anything like that it's find out for yourself test what we're saying um you know we don't want to force anyone to do anything that's against their will we don't want anything like that's not our our motive or our goal um but we we've found like you said like we found profound difference in our life with with the things that we're we're preaching and so we like I was going, you know, with the Book of Mormon, um, when I read that, I, I prayed to God and I asked, you know, is this book real? Is it, is it true? Um, and again, I had that kind of same feeling, that warm, um, great feeling of just confirmation that it was. Um, I know. I think. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I think that's like that's what our thing is. Is we we have this book. Um, we give it out completely free to anyone that will take it. And all we ask is that we, that you read it um, and then ask God yourself, because it's kind of like a science experience, an experiment almost like if you read this book and ask God, then you'll get an answer. Um, and it's, you know, and sometimes it takes a little bit more than that, of course, a little bit of faith in it. Uh, you can't just read the book to deny it and say like, oh, it's true or, oh, it's false. 
And some people uh, are going to read something like that and already be closed mind. You know, they're they're already they have their mind made up already. Exactly. And they're and not so, going to accept anything new. But at least it's you, I, I like the perspective that you have where it's kind of like an experiment, though. It's at the very least, it can be a thought experiment. Yeah, it it can be a, a test of, you know, is there a God? Like, and if the the Book of Mormon is true, and if the Bible and all that is true, then God would want you to know that, I think. Um, and so that's kind of our test to people is, you know, don't listen to us. Don't take our word for it because we, you know, we're just 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids walking around a town speaking a completely different language than, <laughs> <laughs> you know. That, but wait, like, don't take my word for it. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, like, just, you know, do it. Do it yourself. Find out for yourself. I mean, that's what I had to do um, in order to decide to go on a mission. One thing I really want to do at some point in my life is read through the entirety of the Bible. And although my beliefs currently don't necessarily align with it, I think that it's an important piece of literature to know and understand. For sure. Like, I've, I've kind of uh, put off reading the Old Testament um, just because it's so massive and it's just a, it's a big book. But, also, there's uh, some stuff in there that... Uh, might be a little weird to read nowadays <laughs> for sure no there's definitely some weird stuff in there but you know I, I started reading it um like two weeks ago mm -hmm. so i i decided the first year of my mission i was going to read the book of mormon and i actually read it up twice um and then i read it once put uh in danish and then i read the new testament the um and then we have a few other books so one is called The Pearl of Great Price, and the other is called The Doctrine and Covenants. Mm -hmm. um, and so I read through that my first year, and now my second year is going to be completely devoted to the Bible. So that's a large be, undertaking. Yeah, it's a, and it's like, it's very helpful though, because I have a really good uh, friend that is in the mission, and he is very good with the Bible. He, he knows a lot about it. <laughs> so, whenever you're confused, you can just ask him, like, hey, please summarize this because I don't want to read through it. <laughs> yeah, I text him almost every week, like, <laughs> and just like, hey, I don't understand this. Can you maybe give some clarity or, you know, whatever? And he usually gives some pretty good clarity to it, so. Yeah. Um, there's certainly a lot of people that may not necessarily share the perspective that you and I have on uh, missionary work. Um, for example, I know that um, some people feel like doing a mission is just an extension of colonialism and that it's harmful to be introducing uh your faith to these people because it's like you are um it, it's something they it, it's uh replacing their culture with your own huh you know to those people i'd say i don't know you you just gotta really look at what and some of those missions could very well be like i'm not saying that all missions are good um some missions could have ulterior purposes but if you really look at like what i'm doing out here um it it's not anywhere near colonialism like I mean, <laughs> like i know you by no means are are you trying to 
uh, overtake anyone else's lives with no, your own life like, or to harm them in any way. You're just trying to give people more ideas. Well, yeah, and like, I I couldn't see my mission being anywhere near colonialism because like no one like people don't listen to us. So how could we be <laughs> like? And I mean, I guess you could argue like, oh, but they do it in Africa and they do it in Mexico, and now they're like taking over. But like, no, like it's. It's the people that live there that are running the churches. It's the people that live there that are doing all the churches. So, like, yes, are we changing their culture in a way? Maybe, but like, it's of self-will. Like, we don't, we don't press anything on people. We re- really don't. It's you know, we can be persistent, and I, I'd say that's a little different because, as a missionary, you do have to be persistent. I think. Um, yeah, people are stubborn. Can't. They don't want to change. Exactly. Um, but. Are we forcing someone to do anything? Do we try to keep in contact with the people that have expressed interest? Yes, most definitely. Um, but never have I ever felt like I'm pressing anything on people or forcing them to do things. Um, no, that's that's just not what it is. <laughs> yeah, because uh, if I were in your position, I would see it as this is something that means a lot to me, and it's personally helped me a lot. And, you know, in the same way that uh, I might be talking to a friend and trying to um, help them figure out a situation they're in and, you know, yeah. give them some advice or, uh, or some methods like uh, meditation or whatever that have helped me that might also help them. Um, sure. You're not necessarily doing anything different. This is just something no, that has affected your life for the better. And you are bringing people the option to choose it. They don't have to. And you're not going to make them, but you know it, it's just something that you would like to see others be able to take as much joy in as I know you certainly have. Yeah, and and I think like when when I look at w- what I've done here, what I've done here in Denmark, um, it, it really never feels like the choice is taken away or anything like that because you know what I what I'm really doing is I'm just trying to make friends, trying to you know learn. <laughs> not learn people to know sorry danish um to, to get to know people. um you know i i i go back to one of my experiences in odense um it's like the middle of denmark and i i had this this friend that he was an older man he's about 50s 60s mm-hmm. and his wife just passed away and um like a few years earlier and he had anxiety and stress and a bunch of other things that just, and depression and like all that kind of stuff. He wasn't doing well. No, like it just went completely downhill. And he, he was in that situation and he said, you know what, come on in, like, come on in and let's talk. Um, Because my wife believed in all the stuff that you guys believed in. Let's talk. Um, And his openness gave us the ability not only to, you know, talk about what we're here to talk about right but to be his friend honestly and to to really just help him through that hard situation that he just went through um and i I can honestly say that i feel like i made a difference there i feel like i i helped relieve a little bit of that anxiety and that depression that he had um and gave him some friends to talk to absolutely Um, and i i feel that if his wife um had believed in uh the stuff that you guys are you know, showing people, then that could have given him 
uh, needed insight into her character to help him remember her by. Not that it defines her, but it helps. It would help someone in that position uh, understand, you know, who they loved. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. And and I think like the other thing is is he he wanted to believe. Like he he did really want to believe, but he was raised atheist. He, you know, his his parents never talked about God, um, or at least never the existence of one, and he didn't believe in one himself. But he he wanted to have that faith that that his wife had, um, but never have I ever seen that like intense desire to do so. Um, and I think I think we did help him kind of see that that there there is a God. Um, and I, I'm sure you did help him. And I, I can kind of relate to that. I'm in the same position. Uh, I was raised in a uh, considerably atheist household. And I don't know if there's a single true answer or if my path lies in Christianity or Buddhist practices, uh, in Christianity or Buddhist practices or uh, whatever. But, you know, I do feel like there I, I can't prove that there is or isn't a god so yeah. i'm at this point where i'm in this agnostic uh this agnostic midground and yeah and i think that as i navigate in my life what is going to bring me fulfillment um as far as what i believe in um i, I think it's important to consider all ideas for sure and that's kind of where we took him i think is we we kind of opened up to the door was you know there is a god and like we we can't prove it to you it can only you know happen by your own efforts um but here's here's the opportunity to learn more um and you know we we kind of took him from that atheist point of view to the agnostic kind of point of view where where we talked about you know the next life and what that is and how he will be able to see his wife again um and the hope that comes from from what our message really is um and I think that that helped him kind of realize, okay, maybe there is something out there. Maybe there is something um, to an extent. But yeah, and there's one thing. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, one <laughs> thing that I have been talk like to talk to uh, in on my mission was, why are you taking advantage of people that are um, that are struggling? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. And it kind of and it kind of stuck with me. Um, and I would say that was in there no ever a way part of you taking, that thought. Boy, what was that? Was there ever a part of you that thought that you were taking advantage of someone in that position? In no way, no. I didn't think about it before, and I can get how people could maybe see that. Um, that you know, we do. It's not we like we look for them, but we try to help them. Um, but it, it kind of stuck with me and I was like, huh, like, like, why would they think that? Um, and I really came down to it is we, we don't do that. We don't take advantage of them. Um, we don't, we don't do anything like that because that's not fair. Um, I think it's easy to be skeptical about anyone who is trying to show you a new idea. I think often enough, uh, there's, so many people out there who are trying to sell you on something that they don't wholeheartedly believe in themselves um, just for their own personal gain. And I think that's really easy to be very cynical about ideas such as that. 
Well, and, and you have to like come down to it. Like, what is it that's really to my gain that I'm out here for? You know, there's nothing for, for me. Yeah, you're losing money. <laughs> I'm losing money. I lost two years of college. I, you know, I had to take away from all my, or not take away. Sorry, Danish. Um, <laughs> I had to go away from all my friends, right? And family. Um, like, I'm not gaining anything here except maybe friends, hopefully, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, and, like, I, I would say I gain so much more than I give um, just because it's been an amazing experience. I've helped people. Um, I've, I've gotten friends. I've gotten new friends that I – lifelong friends, in fact. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to it, it really, it really just matters about the relationships and what you have helped them with, whether it be helping them physically, like we, we do a bunch of uh, garden work um or just helping them emotionally mentally um whatever whatever it needs to be like you know we we can make a difference and i feel like i get always more out of it spiritually physically emotionally than i really give absolutely and i think that's the best way to give to people to fill your own cup first and then let it overflow onto other people because if yeah, you're trying to give so much from yourself when there's really not much for you to give, you're only depleting yourself of the energy that you need. And yeah. you're not going to make anyone feel sufficiently uh, helped or, or energized by you know, the vibes that you're giving them. You have to be a complete person on your own and then let that trickle off to the people around you and you know, let them enjoy some of the positivity that you're feeling at the moment too. Definitely. Exactly. So I, I'm glad that you're experiencing some of that. But I do got to ask you, though, how is it trying to speak a language that you had to learn within, what, a month? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I was lucky because I got to learn it a little bit before I actually got my call to Denmark. Um, and I could go in that story another, uh, maybe another time. But basically, I felt inspired to learn Danish. Um, and, you know, it kind of comes to oh, miracle, like coincidence, like, I, I definitely think it was a miracle. Um, but I, I learned Danish for about six months on Duolingo. Um, <laughs> now, you best do I think studying. the Duolingo, oh yeah, like, it was, it was great. I loved it. But like, do I think the Duolingo really helped me? Do I think any of that really helped me? Uh, I don't know. But I think what did help me was that I knew I was supposed to come to Denmark before I was sent or called to Denmark. Well, you have ancestry um, there, right? I do have ancestry there, yeah. Um, and so I know that there's a reason that I'm here, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think it, it totally makes sense. It's just sometimes it just comes down to a feeling. Yeah, exactly. And so I, let's see. So I learned Danish um, a pretty okay amount. So I was in, we have a thing called the MTC, uh, Missionary Training Center. And it's basically where we go to a place for six weeks and we learn how to teach the religion, um, how to talk to people, how to have normal conversations, and then also learn the language. And so we had six weeks to learn the language, um, just pretty much full, um, full days of just learning languages, except for Sundays where we would go to devotionals and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it was six six days a week learning just complete Danish and 
like did it help i don't know like yeah it, it helped a little bit but it was it was all religious words so i could tell you how to pray but i couldn't tell you how it's, the weather was um <laughs> and like to an extent of course like i might be exaggerating a little bit but yeah it was pretty pretty weird coming to the land well I, I just remember um, some friends and I, while you were there, were driving through Utah, going down to Zion National Park for a camping mm -hmm. trip. And we were trying to stop by the training center so we could say hi to you because we knew you were there and we hadn't seen you in a while. And the place looks like a prison. <laughs> like there's 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 genuinely like 15 foot gates surrounding the whole area ridiculously uh tight security and we were gonna go drive in and we went by this uh it, it looked like airport security almost and <laughs> we went in and we stopped by this window and we we're i didn't know what to say to the guy at first i was thinking oh maybe we could uh try to convince him to let us in to like go see someone who hypothetically might have some free time right now uh or we could just say oh have a good day and turn around and we did the latter <laughs> so yeah like yeah it's a little it's a little like put down like not put down uh what's it called um gosh i can't english um <laughs> you're, too, you're too used to speaking danish all the time yeah i know it's it's like it's not locked down i wouldn't say that because we could leave like there was a there's a field right next to the mcc that we can go and play games in and do all that kind of stuff and then there's also a uh, temple that we can go to outside of the the grounds of the mtc like we're not locked in um but they do have kind of a, a stricter security just because i think it's more for the safety of the missionaries inside um just in case there was some kind of crazy person that came and tried to kill a bunch of missionaries which has happened in the past oh um someone came in with a knife i think that's but, insane yeah so it's just more to protect the missionaries i think rather than to keep them locked in or whatever um <laughs> can't get to the door but, if there's a gate around it <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe <laughs> like we don't really have doors though we have we have dorms in there so yeah i don't know like, so maybe you didn't completely miss out on the college experience you got to you know you got to see oh, no. a little it was, bit of it it was definitely college yeah that was like <laughs> it's pretty college <laughs> but it was it's a little locked down in in regards to what we can do. We have our whole day scheduled out for us. Um, but the thing, I don't like saying locked down because at any given point, any missionary can go up to their to their branch president or to anyone and just say, "I'm leaving," and then leave. Um, like I could do that right now if I wanted to. I could call up my president and say, "I'm leaving," um, and then just and you're not over here, line, and then just come over there. Like it, it really is you have to be committed to this because what's the point of getting harassed and mocked and all that kind of stuff out there um if it's brutal i just want to go home it, it is brutal it's it's no fun to to be harassed and all that kind of stuff and i i couldn't imagine yeah like i couldn't imagine being forced to be here like that would be no fun i would I would hate it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry. I got to completely level with you, man. As far as religions go, uh, I think LDS is probably my favorite to make fun of. I was actually considering introducing you by saying, here is a member of the uh, plague that is affecting the whole world right now. 
Mormonism. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I think it's easy to make fun of it. Um, You know, there's the Book of Mormon musical. There's South Park. I mean, I watched it. I watched the musical. It was so good. Matt (laughs) Matt Stone and Trey Parker are geniuses. Like, low-key, I want to see it, too. Like, (laughs) I don't know if I can say that, but I think it'd be interesting (laughs) to kind of see what they think. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's like they're attacking us for our, I don't think they're attacking us. I think they're making fun of us. And I think there's a difference. Um, for, for sure. For sure. And, you know, there's a difference between someone telling me to shoot myself 42 times in the head or making fun of me for not drinking beer. Um, yeah, that, that was a little disturbing. I, I think yeah. that, you know, it's certainly easier, I think, now that you guys are doing a lot of your missionary work through Facebook um where you know it's more anonymous than it would be in person for people to say um some messed up stuff yeah i think it goes both ways i think um because on the on the streets like i think this was obviously a kid um this was a kid my age probably oh nice (laughs) um yeah and so i think it's a little different because on the internet we they have that anonymous so yes it doesn't really matter because i don't know who they are um but on the streets, they're less likely to say that kind of stuff. They're less likely to make fun in that way because other people are watching. Yeah. Um, so I've never really had a experience where I was mocked or made fun of or maybe even like threatened by the shoot yourself in the head 42 times. Um, I've never really had that outside. I've had like you're an idiot and you're wasting your time and you're you're brainwashed and all this kind of crap. But are they wrong though? That... <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. They are wrong. I'd say like you know you always think oh am I brainwashed you know like but yeah. I, I don't. We live in our own bubbles and you never know. When we do. And I think this has really brought me out of my bubble uh, because. I like it like I bring back to the to the statement before, like we're out here getting harassed. <laughs> like <laughs> if I don't believe in the like if it isn't real and if it isn't true stuff, like why would I do it? If it wasn't true for me, you know, and if it was you know, I've had those thoughts like, oh maybe I was brainwashed, maybe I was um, you know, just following along and all this kind of stuff. But then once I started to really figure out the religion for myself, a lot of those thoughts were like, no, like, why would you be a part of this religion that restricts so much? Like, tea, coffee, alcohol, drugs, sex, like, <laughs> you know? Me and the boys stopping Gregory from having premarital sex. <laughs> <laughs> I think that a part of healthy skepticism is being able to honestly reflect on yourself and what you believe in and you know poke holes in it and for sure you know i think in any belief you have there are going to be a couple of holes somewhere in it but it's just determining what personally is going to fulfill you in some way and what is going to be healthy for you yeah and i mean look at joseph smith's story um if you know a little bit about it it's a little bit he he sees a vision from god at 14 years old um and I think one time he even said that, like, oh, I even thought it was, like, if, if I didn't have it myself, I would have thought that it was, it was fake. 
Um, and that's a, that's a hard one for a lot of people because it is such a miraculous thing that a lot of churches don't teach today. They don't teach that there's um, live revelation that is happening today. There's not direct communication with God. Yeah, it's insane to think that a little 14-year-old kid <laughs> yeah. had a vision from God. It is. And and like that's something that, you know, I think about still. And um I of course, like you said, I poke holes in my religion sometimes. I don't I don't let that hole consume everything else because that hole is like there's there's this one quote that's doubt your doubts before you doubt what what you know. Yeah, doubt your doubt um, doubt your doubts but never your beliefs. Yeah, and and I mean like you can have doubts in your belief, but don't let your doubts consume or consume your um, beliefs. Don't let right? the negative define the entirety of the validity that an idea could have. Yeah, because like let's say I know that there is a god, right? And I do, but this is all hypothetical, right? I mm. know that there is a god, and let's say I don't know. Let's say that something else in the religion puts a little hole in what I believe. I don't believe in that there is direct revelation from God today, right? Well, but I know there is a God. And I need to hold on to I know that there is a God before I you know, just remove everything and say I'm atheist, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's a long jump to make too. And it, it is. It is. And I'm, I'm not saying that's – but, like, that's a lot of what happens um, in the church sometimes mm-hmm. is, is people make those – I don't know. I don't know this. I don't understand it. I'm not a member of this church. Um, and I think, like you know, you're you're of course subject to whatever you want to do, um, and that's your choice. But I think it's important to doubt what you're doubting. Um, not necessarily like disregard it and just be like, oh, that's just you know whatever. But to really research the doubt and to, you know look into maybe getting an answer for it make an informed decision on it exactly and if there is no answer for it then you know i don't know like it it just might be something that you don't understand yet or that isn't even revealed to us as people you know something that we can't comprehend and i think that part of the reason why i like the position of having more of an agnostic belief is because I def- I don't have definitive proof either way that there is or isn't some sort of higher power out there. And, you know, then once you get to even accepting or rejecting that there is a higher power, then you have to decide, well, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, one crazy thing that I, I, I heard recently that um, traditional Christian angels used to look like these horrifying conglomerates of like eyes and goop (laughs) and like they have like these uh kind of rings that rotate around them around this kind of spiritual energy and it's really i'll I'll put up a photo of it it's really creepy but it's also so interesting and and the idea that um angels being uh depicted as babies in art nowadays and uh you know these more divine humanoid forms are an example of how christianity has been uh has been modified since its beginning to attract corrupted maybe even yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> um but like i so it, w- with that i think that it's always acceptable to recognize that things change and beliefs can change 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that just because something changed or because you may find some sort of uh, um, conflict, self-conflict within an idea, it, it doesn't mean that you should make the jump entirely to believing that you know there is no validity in either way. There's, yeah. it's always, it's it's always, never <laughs> black and white. Yeah, exactly. Around to it. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing though that like the the scary thing about agnostic agnosticism is that what it is? Yeah. Um, is I don't know. I I feel like if you don't make a choice. Um, it can harm you a little bit in the end. Um, and from a spiritual standpoint, or uh, or uh, yeah, from a spiritual standpoint. standpoint. Okay, and maybe even a psychological standpoint, because I don't know. I just think floating up in the air, um, and never really going to something solid. You you suck in a lot of beliefs, but you don't really solidify any of them. Mm -hmm. Um. And then you kind of go with the whim of like just the wind, right? Oh, there's a new thing here, um, and it's it's good. So oh, you're you're saying here. with not being dedicated to uh, a certain idea could make one susceptible to uh, susceptible to um, ideas that have less validity to them than what they could have decided on. Yeah, like they sound good, but maybe they're just they're for a Un underlying darker purpose. Certainly, um, yeah. No, I certainly see that. And you know, I, I've kind of seen that in you know some other friends that I've had uh, here in Denmark and back home. Like, it's it's very important to to kind of ground yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to be agnostic because you know that is where you go after you've either become like. A, you've changed your mind from atheism or you've, I don't know, like you just found out different things or maybe you, you lost faith in your original religion. Maybe you, you know that there's a God, but you don't know where to go. Yeah. I have people stuff. in my family who have changed religions uh, on my cousin's yeah. side. Yeah. And so it's, it's something that it, I find it like a, I don't know, like a, a middle ground, kind of like a, What's it called? Um, English much? English is not <laughs> what it should be. Um, limbo. There we go. Yeah. A, a limbo where, yes, it's good to be looking. And I definitely think it is good to look. I mean, none of, none of the things that we say is, um, should be taken right at its word. Right? If, that, if that's the case, then... I don't know. Like that'd be a little weird to me. If if someone, if I was just out on the street and said to someone like, "Hey, I have the true religion. Come and join me," um, <laughs> and they're like, "Cool, like sick, like it's the true religion. Like I'm down." It just doesn't work. I think you know? it's sometimes people's perspective that that is where you're coming from, and that's why they can be so hostile when, uh, For when sure. you're presented with an idea. But I don't. I, I, again, I, the reason why. I like what you guys are doing over there and what you're doing for both yourself and the people around you is that you can recognize that there's not necessarily harm in offering uh, your peace of mind and your belief on something uh, 
when you know we're all intelligible people we can think for ourselves and we need to make decisions based off of what we know is true or could be true or could not be true yeah and i have this very strict thing in like myself principle wise i don't think it's the churches really Mm -hmm. but um i really believe that if you believe in something you'll want to share it um absolutely and like i i've kind of seen that not be the case for a lot of people is that you know we, we ask them just a completely open question what do you believe um and they don't like some of them were like oh we don't get to share that with you we're, we're not going to share that with you. I'm like okay like maybe it's just because of the tag and maybe it's just because i'm wearing a white shirt and all that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. but i would hope that if someone else asked you um that you would say what you believe in you know because I feel like that's an important thing to know is what do you really believe in? And that's why I, I talk about agnosticism being a very scary place is because if you go everywhere, if you look everywhere and if you continue looking and maybe like you enjoy the search more than the destination. Um, and I think that that's, it's good to search. It's, it's most definitely good to search. But at some but, point you got to make a decision. Exactly. At some point, you got to really ask, okay, why am I still searching? Or do I want to find an answer? Because I've seen also a lot of people that are agnostic that um, they don't want the answer because that involves change. Um, and to be honest, I almost kind of fear that's where I am. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I, I wonder about that sometimes because, I mean, agnosticism is purely uh, just about uh, faith but you know there's a lot of aspects of my life where um, you know I'm searching for kind of an answer but I'm really not sure if I really am wanting to find the answer or if I did find it is it something that I'd be willing to accept yeah I mean it's it's tough and like a lot of religions demand a lot of change right I, I think I think a religion is something that invites you to change and to make yourself better and make yourself stronger um yeah no matter how weird the rules are they all have the same intention of helping you live a more full life exactly for sure um and i I think i think that's definitely a hard thing to to come to terms with that that it would mean that you have to change um but i don't know i think that that's kind of where the experiment part comes in that I talked about earlier, right? That there's no harm in in trying, right? Like, yes, you might go down a path that, you know, isn't the best. Yeah. Try, fail, learn from the experience and try again. Exactly. Like, you know, in, in most religions, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say just go get baptized in every religion, right? That that doesn't make sense. No, that's something but, that's a little more meaningful. But like I yeah. get to what you're saying, you want to go around and you know see what all the options. It's like a buffet. You want to see what all the options are before you decide to totally pig out on one thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, and and that's what I just wish people would just just try it. Like, try it for a month. Try these weird rules, like not drinking tea and coffee for a month, you know, and, and just give it that go and see, okay, like, am I happier? Am I better? Am I closer to God? Am I 
do I understand what I'm doing? Um, and then, and then you can kind of rule out, okay. And I'm not saying that coffee and tea will, will help you rule that out. It's a, it's a lot more than that. But, but, yeah. <laughs> Certainly. but you know, live, live like a member of that religion for a month and see how it is. And if you like it and if it's the people are happy and you, you feel like there's a community and like all that kind of stuff, go for it. But if it's not, you know, then you can live and learn, right? Yeah, and I think that being almost like a hermit crab and going around and taking on different shells and assuming new identities and different faiths and, you know, not even just faith, but different activities, different diets, everything, I think it's an important part of getting out of the bubbles that we create for ourselves. And it lets us see life in a new perspective and try out new things that could be better. Because honestly, I don't think anyone's found the perfect lifestyle. No one has. I mean, it's part of the human condition is just to, you know, feel like crap sometimes. Feel like shit. Yeah. And it, it's important when you're feeling that way to try new things that you've never done to potentially help. There's, exactly. There's, there's no harm in it necessarily. Exactly. And like, you know, can I say that I've tried every religion and tried all the things that I've done? No. No way. Like, I can't. I'm... I don't think I'm not speaking like I'm not speaking as a hypocrite because I definitely feel as though I've, I've looked into other religions and I've tried out stuff, mm -hmm. but, um, and in my religion, it, it's kind of interesting because a lot of it, it, it covers a lot of other rules that other churches have, if that makes sense. Yeah. So have I tried, you know, drinking and all that kind of stuff? No. So I don't have validity there, but, I, I think of it more from a logical perspective in that case um, with, when it comes to you know, drinking and, and smoking and all that kind of stuff. I think of, okay, drinking is logically, it doesn't make much sense for me because I don't want to do that kind of stuff. I don't want to. There's a know. certain value in having that control over yourself. Yeah, for sure. And, and of being of, the usual state of mind you are now personally personally i disagree a little bit i think that um experimenting with uh with anything of that nature is also an important part of you know trying on new things but for certain depending on your circumstances you know there's some things that you should and shouldn't be doing and i don't think that you getting drunk messaging people on facebook at 3 a.m asking them you up that's not the best option for you <laughs> No way, no way. And like, when I talk about trying things, I think of it as try things that are without risk. Yeah. Um, like, like here's what I think of, like, alcohol, right? Try alcohol, what's the harm in doing it, right? Um, well, I'm not going to go and try to crash my car in, into a bridge because someone else did it, you know? That's like. Weird. There is a risk to alcohol, no matter what. I mean, like, I don't know how I would personally react to alcohol. I know there are effects of alcohol. Um, same goes for tobacco and all that kind of stuff, right? All that jazz. Um, so I know there are effects, and there's, you know, physical evidence of that kind of stuff. But, like, it's, yeah, that kind of idea where I'm not going to go crash my car into a bridge just because someone else did it just to try it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, I have 
family members who have been alcoholics and you know it's certainly something when you're young that you don't it makes you think differently about it when you see it like that Um, i I do too yeah i know what you're saying and like i i think that um i think it's important to not let negative aspects like that you know completely override your decision on uh whether something is uh you know ethically the right thing to do but you know it's also worth considering that sometimes we just know what's best for ourselves and yeah you know if, if you feel that alcohol is something that you don't necessarily want to be part of your life um uh, that is totally fine there it, again it's like with what you guys are doing uh on your mission you know you're offering new ideas to other people and to an extent yourselves and if it works for you it works for you if it doesn't work for you that's fine there's there's yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily that you always have to completely try out the new idea. It's that you should at least give considerable consideration exactly. to the idea of it. Because yeah. admittedly, yeah, because I'm not going to jump off of a bridge without a parachute just because, like, I want to, you know, I want to try everything. Like, yeah, exactly. that will be the last thing I try. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, exactly. I understand where you're coming from, though. Yeah, and you know, I say this as like Kedrick Salisbury, not the the member, the or not the missionary or anything like that, because you know, I'm not, I don't represent the church. Um, yeah, this is all about you. It's all about you know, just my thoughts and my views. But you know, I don't think that I would go straight to hell if I drank alcohol or tobacco or anything like that. He took one, a sip because, when he was 22. He will burn. <laughs> <laughs> like one, because I don't think. You know, my religion doesn't believe in in things like you know straight to hell after doing something like that. Or if you don't believe in you know in certain things, you go straight to hell. Like we don't really believe in that kind of system. Um, it's not as black and white in that regards. Or heaven and hell. It's it's very you know there's different differing degrees of heaven. Um, and I'm actually and, really interested in that. Would would you mind explaining really quick how that works? Yeah, for sure. So basically. You know, you go through life. So we, we actually believe in a thing before life. We It's called pre-mortal life. Mm-hmm. And pretty much you you live with God, you talk with God, and you chose between Christ and Satan's plan. Um, and Satan's plan was to take away the agency of people so that we couldn't choose for ourselves God or evil. Um, but we would all be saved and we would all, you know, be great because... The glory would go to Satan, and we would all be saved. No big deal, right? We just come to Earth, go through the motions, whatever. Just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, but Christ was a little different, right? He said, "I will sacrifice myself so that the other people can repent and can, when they do make mistakes, that they can come back to Christ and to God, um, and that they can, um, they can receive." They can, they can be saved pretty much, right? Um, and you, so we had those two, those two choices. And us being on earth today means that we made the choice to follow Christ's plan. Yeah. Um, so we already made a decision. But go through life, Christ does the atonement, and we can now repent for our sins. Um, and then we all die, right? Because eventually we'll all die. Um, we have a next life, which allows us to learn about um, the religion, 
the, the true doctrine of Christ. Uh, and it's an equal opportunity place. So if you did not have an opportunity here on earth, you would get an opportunity the next life. And then you could have, um, there's a place called spirit paradise and spirit prison. Those that are in spirit paradise, they teach people in spirit par prison um, and help them to make steps into going into paradise. Um, but after all that is said and done and people have made their decisions, whether they will follow Christ or not, they will uh, be judged by God and Christ will be there to defend them in a way, to uh, be kind of their advocate. And after the judgment, there will be three um, degrees of glory that we can go to, three heavens, if you will. Um, so the top one is the celestial glory, and that is the, the best one. Um, that's where we want to go. That's where we can become like God. Uh, the middle one is the uh, terrestrial kingdom, and that is that's kind of where. So so basically, let me let me explain the requirements a little bit. So the, the sure. celestial kingdom is the highest kingdom. Um, the best kingdom is the people that are that follow um, the commandments of God, that become baptized, that get married um eternally so sealed together um and this is kind of the yeah the the highest place where we're all shooting for right mm -hmm. and then and that's regard that's in regards to like the sun um it's it's often compared to the sun and its glory um and then you have the moon which is the terrestrial kingdom and that is where good people go or people that didn't quite follow the commandments, but tried their best and uh, like not really tried their best, but like they were a little bit lazy about some certain things and just they were okay people, right? They were good people. They weren't bad. They weren't bad, no. Um, and they get a, and all of these kingdoms are better than Earth. Mm -hmm. They are better than what we have right now. Um, and so, and we're all resurrected. Uh, we're all resurrected beings because that is the gift that Christ gave us all. Um, but this is kind of a difference between salvation and exaltation. So salvation is what Christ gave us all, all a gift of um, this. But exaltation is the celestial kingdom, being in God's glory again. Um, and that's what we all want because if God is there, right, we want to be in his glory and in his presence and um, well, yeah, if there's a God, why wouldn't you want to be, you know, I'm pretty sure he's going to be like the coolest dude on the block. You're going to want to talk to him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this is like the heaven, heaven, like the the usual heaven that people talk about. It's the, the best place you can go, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got the second kingdom, which is the terrestrial, like I said. Um, and it's it's still good. It's still a great place, right? Um, it's still a heaven, but it's just for those that are good. Um, and then you've got the stars and the stars is because they differ in degrees, right? They differ in degrees of brightness. Mm. Um, and that is where the evil people go because there's different degrees of evil. You can't just place them all in one place, right? Yeah. Evil um, as with all things, it's not just black and white. Exactly. And so that's one thing I really like about um, the church is that it's not just a, Oh, you suck. Like, you messed up. You didn't. You didn't believe in Christ. Like you're going on to hell, right? Yeah. But it's it really, like I believe in a just God. You know, just meaning that He will put us where we want, where we chose to be, really. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Essentially, by our own actions, we choose where uh, we'll be placed, or, or uh, you know, but by our own actions, we can choose how fulfilling of a life we want to have now, and consequently, consequentially, <laughs> uh, that'll help choose where we are after. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where that uh, where that um, certain agency you were talking about comes in too. Yes. Yeah, that that agency, the freedom to choose. Um, you now, because like like I do out here, I'm not forcing anyone to choose to follow my religion. I'm not forcing anyone to choose, and nor is Christ, and nor is God. Um, and that's one thing that that's one of God's greatest gifts to us is the ability to choose for ourselves uh, where we want to go what we want to do uh, if we will choose god when it gets hard or if we'll look to other means right mm-hmm. that's a really intriguing perspective on it and i love that i mean i i don't think it's going to change lds is going to be my favorite religion to make fun of but <laughs> i do think it's really cool though that uh that it has this imagery using astronomy that's really cool because i yeah. love everything space related we actually do a lot of things with astronomy in our church. So that's awesome. I I don't know a lot about it, so I can't I can't go very much into that. But uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we you know, the the three things out there: the the planet, the moon, and the sun. That's it. The rest of it's just a hologram. Yeah, it's just a hologram. Yeah, <laughs> a mere image. Um. One of the things you mentioned earlier were miracles and that the decision, it wasn't even your decision. It was the church's decision to send you to Denmark and itself felt like a miracle when you learned that news. Mm -hmm. So have you had any other circumstances that, you know, aside from maybe being just really good uh, coincidences, uh, could or rather instead be a type of miracle? It's hard to pin down a lot because I feel like I witness a lot of miracles every day. Um, you know, when when we're doing the Lord's work, we see miracles. Um, and I really do believe that this is the Lord's work. So um, it, it's hard to, to pin them down sometimes because there are so many. That's um, fair. Like a real miracle is like seeing a dude get up from being dead three days after. Like yeah. that, that, that that's gonna grab everyone's attention. But I think it's very easy for uh what can be considered miracles to go completely unnoticed. For sure. Like they can just be regarded as coincidences. Um I had a recent, very, very recent experience actually yesterday, um that was amazing. Um I I had this weird feeling to email one of my teachers, one of my past teachers. Um and yeah, I, I don't I don't know why I felt like I needed to do this. It was um, just a gut feeling. And sometimes it's all yeah, like it was, I said, that's sometimes all you can go off of. Yeah, it was a gut feeling. And I mean now I, I definitely see that it was inspired God, um, no doubt. Mm. But it was just kind of this weird feeling. And I actually shrugged, shrugged it off. I was like, oh, no, I don't need to write it. Um, but unbeknownst to me, that was actually part of the plan, I think, um, because I later felt the same feeling again. And something as a missionary, we're only allowed to really write people on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
I felt like I need to write this person not on a Monday, which is against the rules, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I felt like I needed to do it. So, you know, I don't not listen to, to promptings. Um, and so I wrote the, the email thanking this teacher uh, and they were very appreciative and they've had some very hard things recently happen to them. Um, and they also had this whole Zoom conference thing, um, just everything that's going on in the U.S. with school and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure being and a teacher is a stressful situation right now, trying to adapt sure. to remote teaching. I can't imagine it. It's it's insane. And so, you know, they had this this problem with it, and um, and they ended up you know getting really sad during it, and just had to end it. Um, and the the uh, Zoom conference and just had an emotional breakdown. Just emotional breakdown, yeah. And uh, and after they ended it, they got my email. Uh, and it was at that exact, and there was some other stuff happening. I won't go into that just for the sake of keeping the anonymity, anonymity of it. Anonymity. Uh, it's like the word anemone. Like, anemone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it was it was a really cool thing that that this person said uh like that was what i needed to hear at that exact time um and i i don't think that's a coincidence that i felt prompted to do that at that time and i've had it before too i've, I've texted friends and said this is what you need to hear uh and it's from the lord mm -hmm. uh, i actually did that on the plane to denmark uh and it's it's really interesting i it, I can't really explain how it works, but sometimes I just feel like I'm not writing what I'm writing, but I'm writing something completely different. So one of the things that I've always thought is, well, one of the craziest feelings ever is when you're just about to text someone or you're just thinking about it. And then you're like, eh, nah, I'll, I'll give it like five minutes when I have more of a chance to do it. But then they text you right as you were thinking about someone. That is the... It's kind of scary, not gonna lie. It, yeah. It's a scary feeling to think that like is. someone is already inside your head. Like Elon Musk has already read your thoughts, even though the technology out isn't out yet. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's interesting, and it's like it's just something I can't explain really because it's like you have to be there to really witness the the thing happening, right? Yeah. But, you know, I've just had so many of those experiences and, you know, I can't, I can't pin down everyone because sometimes I don't even know, like, I don't even know that that's what I, what they needed. Um, but I can pin down experiences when I've had that too, where a friend has texted me right at the time I needed and right, and the thing that I needed to hear. Um, and that's that's an interesting concept. I, I really shy away from coincidences in that um, aspect because I think God works through other people. Mm -hmm. Most definitely works through other people. I think that certainly from a spiritual standpoint, that's one of the harder things to convince people of because, I mean, nowadays, one of the things we most pride ourselves on, especially in the West, is our individuality the fact that we have the freedom to make our own choices and being told that, well, it might not be that simple is it's a hard thing to digest. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think it takes away individuality at all. 
because I I was not forced to write that letter to that person. Um, I I had an idea, and I could have just completely disregarded it and been like, ah, I don't need it. I don't need to email them. Um, and I think that's where the individuality comes in. Um, I think God uses our own unique pers- um, unique not perspectives um, situations mm-hmm. to help the other children be the other children the other children as <laughs> the other children of Christ father, the other children yeah um, around the people around us right mm-hmm. to to help help them I mean it doesn't I don't think that this teacher is gonna get converted all of a sudden or anything like that um, no. No. But you know, still but there to help. Yeah, I was still there to help, and I think I think that's what God wanted, and and that's I know that's what God, wanted. um, because you know God's not this just angry person just sitting at you know waiting for people to make the right choices. He's he really is a loving person that that wants all of his children, all of his people, to to have the things that they need, mm-hmm. um, to have the joy that they want. Um, I, I think of scriptures like men are that they might have joy or um, his eternal purpose is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of men. He's not there just like, uh, like a, I don't know, <laughs> like a terrible dictator just standing over people, you know, directing them what to do. I know but, that some people still believe in that though. The, the God that is waiting for you to fuck up so he can punish you for eternity. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a sad way of thinking of God. <laughs> um, not to you know attack those people, but I, I think it's a it's a very dull and it, it limits God a lot of what He is because I think power is I think power that the power that God has, if He is an all powerful being, would it not be better to have other people receive eternal life and and glory like him and to like <laughs> this is a terrible terrible way to, to put it but it's like a pyramid scheme like the more people <laughs> that you create to come up to you to your power then like the more people receive it and the more stuff you get i don't know like the more glory he gets as he helps his children come up to, to where he is and i think just from a psychological standpoint it's easy and it's somewhat in our nature already to be so cynical and so hating and skeptical of other people it's Mm -hmm. a matter of self-preservation and survival and i think that it's a lot harder to show genuine compassion and to be at a state of peace with yourself that you can extend that peace to people that are around you so I, I think that in the same way that your faith believes that we made the choice to take the harder route of having personal freedom to make our choices instead of going with Satan's plan, um, it, it's also important in our lives now to recognize that you know we should still be taking what may be the harder route, but you know ultimately the most fulfilling route of sharing love and being compassionate and just being a yeah. good person like it's no doubt the harder route like i mean you, you think about it like you you could just go through your life 
not caring about anyone else and getting the money that you need to support yourself and living just a, you know, a life for just instant gratification and, you know, fulfillment. Yeah. But in the end, you, you don't feel the void that really is there. Uh, maybe you can hide from it and, you know, walk away from it and distract from it. it, you know, but eventually that void will catch up, I think. Um, and it's, and it might not be like, like you might have just a wonderful life, you know, but I think what really, like, if we're, we're going completely without religion, what really defines a person is, um, you know, how people remember them. Do they remember Absolutely. them as a good person? What is their legend, uh, here on earth? And it doesn't matter if your name is forgotten after two generations or one generation or whatever. Um, but if you, if people remembered your name after you died, that's what's important, I think, to me. Absolutely. And right. I think that void that you're talking about, I mean, that's part of the human condition. That's something that everyone experiences. And mm -hmm. I think from, you know, from a psychological standpoint, I think that you could interpret that void as just being a survival mechanism. Because if everyone were happy all the time, then you know, we probably wouldn't been the first to be picked up by a golden eagle and thrown off a cliff and eaten. Like, <laughs> yeah. if we if we weren't concerned or if we didn't feel anxiety to any extent, we wouldn't have the self-preservation skills that we do today that allowed us to get to where we are. But from a spiritual standpoint, that could be the absence of something that grounds you as well as faith in God does. And I, you know, I, I wonder which it is, or if maybe it's not that simple, if it's some sort of combination, or if there's things that I'm not even considering. Yeah, I think it's a combination, I think, to, to an extent. I mean, the, I think of opposition in all things. There is, you can't know the, the good if you don't know the bad. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, what, what's the point of happiness if there's no sadness? There's no difference. Um, it's the hedonic treadmill. There's a set point that you have, but to get perspective of what the good is, then you have to have perspective of what the bad feels like. Exactly. And I mean, that, that idea paired with agency is, is ultimately the, you know, the thing, like we can feel the downs and lows and life gives us the downs and lows. Um, just Especially a our... low, low, low in 2020. So <laughs> yes, exactly. And like, despite our actions, like we have no control over the coronavirus and all that kind of stuff, right? But like, that's the the opposition that we can, we can still be in these situations, but we can choose. And I don't like the term choose happiness. Um, but to an extent, I really do think that you can choose happiness. But it's it's a little hard subject in my opinion because i think there are times that you can't choose happiness despite all your tryings and sometimes um, you shouldn't feel happy you know yeah the purpose sure. of life isn't to be happy all the time it's supposed to be in my eyes i think that happiness is something to an extent you can always choose no matter how horrible your circumstances you're able to see it in a more positive light. Now, when yeah. I say that, I do come from a certain position of privilege. I've had a really good life so far, and I've had my moments that 
really, really fucking sucked. But, you know, ultimately I know that the suffering that I've experienced probably is nowhere near what other people have experienced. Yeah. And so, at the least, at yeah, the least you can take yourself out of the, the, uh, the pitfalls, you know, like at least there is a way, a hope um, to, to have happiness, whether you can choose it in the instant. I don't know. I'd say that's debatable, but I think that for sure you can you know, get out of that and have the happiness that you can get out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes finding happiness can come down to just a moment that you really show gratitude and internal appreciation for. I remember one of my best memories was, uh, and this shouldn't be one of my best memories just because it's so unremarkable, but I was just at a park and I was sitting under a tree and uh, I, I just laid down, was looking at the sky, just observing the tree. It had some flowers on it. And that was the only thing that happened necessarily. But I still, I felt such a deep appreciation for the breeze and for the smells. And I had Sierra with me um, and I, she is a, she's a bundle of joy. So it was really yeah. nice having her there. But yeah. it's like, no matter how bad of a circumstance you're in, it's always possible to find some sort of release from it, some sort of escapism. Yeah. And that's why I think that Mainstream entertainment is certainly nice, and I enjoy it just as much as the next person, but I think it's also important to take the opportunity to search for happy moments at a, either a more spiritual level or, at a, if not that, more uh, a personal level of just reflecting on, you know, what's going to make me feel most fulfilled in this moment. For sure. And, yeah, it's... I like what you said about like the entertainment. Like, I feel like entertainment has become a a way that we can kind of just get out of life for a second. Um, it's, it's escapism, and I feel like it always has yeah. been. Yeah, and I, and I don't think. Yeah, I I think it's it's good, but it's it's temporary. It'll it'll help for a little bit, and it also can be more damaging, I think, especially if you look at things like entertainment, uh, or sorry, not entertainment, news. Mm -hmm. um, oh, the God. news they're one and the same now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, but like the news. I mean, if you look at the news constantly, you're just going to become depressed because yeah. there's so many dark and sad things. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like. And it's kind of the same in, in missionary work. Like there's definitely ups, ups and downs. Um, you know, there's, there's the good moments and there's the bad moments. There's the moments where I'm like, oh gosh, you know, what am I doing here? Um, I'm not really helping anyone. And I'm kind of just looking for people for, you know, for nothing. Yeah. But, you know, then you, you, then you help someone. And then you're like, oh, like this is why I'm here. And sometimes you got to get reminded of that, like, a thousand times that like oh this is why i'm here this is why i'm here um but you know it's it's that thing that helps fill that that void because once you realize the real reason of as to why you do something uh then you can get out of the darkness that it sometimes brings or the, the sadness or depression that it can bring and you realize okay there is a goal at the end there is a a light at the tunnel um 
And it might not be like that. It might be six months down the line uh, to where I get to finally help someone. It might, might be I never get to help someone. Uh, it might just be a personal growth that I need to understand that I'm doing this for you know, myself or for, for Christ in that, in that regard. Yeah, and this may sound kind of evil to an extent, but if I were God and I were creating a species you know, in my own image, or I guess that doesn't even really matter, just if I were creating life, uh, intelligent life, I wouldn't want them to feel fulfilled all the time. Because oh. to an extent, that's devaluing how special of a feeling it is to truly feel genuinely happy with where you are yeah. in life. Exactly. Like, there, there has to be differences. And, you know, and then we, we come back to that agency thing. Like, God doesn't make the choices for us. So people can make bad choices that hurt us. Um, and we have no control over, right? But that, that opposition is necessary because otherwise we would just all be the same person and choosing the same things. And that's no fun. That's yeah. no, we don't grow. We don't learn. We don't do anything. We just yes. sit there and, and go through the motions. Yeah. And struggle doesn't necessarily define us. I don't think that anyone should define their character by what horrible shit has happened to them. But no way. the way that you recover from that is what you can define yourself in and feel proud of. Yeah, and what you learn from it. I mean, there's there's pointless struggling, and there's like there's just like pitiful struggling. You know, just like woe is me, this sucks, uh, kind of stuff. <laughs> or you can really learn something from every everything, every opposition that we have. Right? Mm-hmm. You you might be depressed or sad, but you learn how to come out of that quicker or you learn how to rely on God. You learn how to um, become better and help people that have gone through the same thing. You know, there's so many, so many different ways we can deal with that kind of opposition. Mm -hmm. And not to say that, you know, there's always going to be an easy solution to any problems you're having, whether they be some circumstance you're in or mental health issues or whatever it may be. Um, I don't feel like there's ever a simple uh, cut and dry solution to any of that. But I always do feel like that when you make progress and you try enough things to know how you can make progress, that's one of the most rewarding feelings above all else. Exactly, yeah. You have to, you have to try. I mean, you have to try to make progress because otherwise, what, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you're, just, you're just sitting there and taking it, you know? You're just what's what's the reasoning you know yeah absolutely and it makes me wonder where we're going to be going in our future as the human race because you know essentially all utopias are a place without pain and economic equality uh and and just overall constant joy i guess is really the goal of it but it's really hard to define a society like that that we know because of our really screwed up nature that we'd actually enjoy. Yeah. Okay, so it appears that my camera has turned off and now I'm just going off of my webcam. So I think that we'll probably wrap this up pretty quickly here. Um, Kedrick, thank you so much for spending the time today and talking to me. I think that 
a really important aspect of this appreciation project that I'm creating here is to shine light on different personal beliefs and you know the accomplishments that people have made and that they're proud of and to just highlight them for regular people so other people can uh, take joy, hopefully take joy with them for that. And yeah. I think that what you've done is particularly remarkable. Thank you. Yeah, I, of course. I, I love, I love being on here. It was, it was a great thing. And I, I think what you're doing is great. I think it's, it's great to, uh, to highlight the human story because it's, I don't know, it's, everyone has a unique and different background. And I think there's so much we can learn from each other and, and grow from just hearing other people's experiences in life. Yeah. And I think that, you know, an individual story to an extent is part of the human story. It all is part of something greater than ourselves. And though I don't know necessarily whether I can attribute that, um, that certain part of us that knows there's something bigger than ourselves as being the exact deity, um, the exact God that um, that you believe in, for example, I, I know for a fact, though, that there is something bigger than us. And I think that it's worth investigating exactly what that is. For sure. Definitely. So, okay, don't leave here, but uh, I want to talk to you after this. But thank you for joining us on the Po Appreciation Project. It's been great talking to you. We miss you here at home, and we will be so excited to see you when you get back here next summer. I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks All for right. having me. Absolutely. Love you, man. Love you too.